Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with LaToya Hobbs, a Baltimore-based painter and printmaker whose large-scale painting, The Everyday, is on display at the Figgy Art Museum in Davenport, and thanks to a major corporate gift from Quad City Bank and Trust, is now part of their permanent collection. Hi there, LaToya. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, of course, and it's been such a joy having your work here. Let's begin by describing it for those who haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so the everyday is a large scale um, painting. It does involve multiple techniques. The scale is about 70 by 76 inches. Um, So that's pretty tall, like taller than um, almost six, seven feet. Um, But the materials used are acrylic paint. Um, There's some collaged paper um, and also some drawing Techniques. Um, primarily, my work is figurative. So this work includes three figures, um, myself and my two children. So, you know, classified as a self-portrait. Um, we're sitting on the bed in what is I'm depicting like a simplified version of my bedroom space. Um, and just to kind of paint a full picture. So um, I have two sons. They're five and seven now. But at the time that I did that photo reference, they were maybe about, I would say, three and two. And so one son is, I'm sitting on the bed with my legs crossed. One son is sitting in my lap and then one son is kind of in my arm, kind of like up on my hip um, area. And so we're kind of just entangled and sitting on this bed and we're all making contact um, with the viewer in the piece. Um, So I titled the work The Everyday just because of um, my experience as a mom, like your children are there every day, (laughs) every day. Um, And so it's like, you don't, you don't necessarily get a day off from being a parent. Um, Other elements of the work are, um, I mentioned that we're in a kind of a simplified bedroom space, um, but the back wall of the room is is this kind of um, patterned wallpaper trying to simulate like how you would experience wallpaper in a home. Um, And then we have a reference, there's a painting on the wall that's a reference um, to another amazing artist, um, Alma Thomas. Um, So kind of one, represents one of her uh, kind of iconic um, abstract pieces. The fact that it was, I believe it was created in 2020, so it was painted during the early stages of the pandemic, and 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 you're homeschooling your children. So you really are, besides being a working artist who's working from home, you're you're doing so many more things from home. Um, and so it's so aptly named, and and you are looking right out at out out at us with this very direct gaze, and I loved your your right hand, which is stretching out towards us. It's physically larger than it should be anatomically, and I think just symbolizes all all the work that we do, all that you do as an artist and a mother. The, a lot of the the work that I do is you know involves like my hands, not only in my artwork but also just in the home is this act of like caring uh, from my family, whether it's caring through cooking or caring through like cleaning, um, you know, the hand hands are so important. And I think um, I've started to try and incorporate more of the hands or at least more of the figure in general um, in my work to kind of break out of this kind of, you know, t- traditional like bust um 
bust portrait composition, which I sometimes kind of gravitate towards. So with this piece, it was really important to get like the entire, at least my, my entire figure um, in the piece. This painting is part of your Salt of the Earth series in which portraits or images of modern matriarchs are portrayed. And you've drawn some very interesting parallels between Black women and their roles within our society and their families with salt. Explain that idea for us. Yeah, so the idea um, for the Salt of the Earth series actually came a long time ago when I was in graduate school. Um, But I kind of just, you know, decided, okay, when I get into my next big body of work, I think that's what I'm going to call it. I didn't really necessarily know why. I just, that title um, just came to me. It wasn't until after I became a mother that I kind of realized what that phrase meant to me. Um, And so I actually didn't start on the series until several years later, until I was in graduate school at Purdue University at the time um, in West Lafayette, Indiana. And then I ended up ended up getting a teaching position here at uh, Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, Maryland. But it wasn't until I would say maybe 2015, 2016 that I didn't actually start to kind of get into the next big series. Obviously, um, you know, I started having children, so which, you know, you have to adjust to that and it can be kind of hard to get back into the swing um, of your practice while adjusting to, you know, having a young growing family. But when I did get into the series, um, that was the phrase salt of the earth really came alive to me. I felt like I was living that, but I'm specifically taking that phrase salt of the earth from, um, from the biblical scripture, Matthew five thirteen, Um, and I can just kind of loosely paraphrase it, but it says you are the salt of the earth. What if the salt loses its savor is therefore good for nothing, but to be cast out and trod upon the foot of men. Um, and so there's kind of two sides to that scripture, right? So there's like the exalted thing that says you are the salt of the earth, meaning that, um, you know, you are the thing that preserves and keeps things together. But on the flip side is like, well, what if the salt loses its savor? Um, so I think about that in, in my life, um, but also women in general, even though I'm speaking through the lens of my experience as a, as a black woman, um, the act of salt, meaning that we are preserving, um, preserving our families, preserving our cultures and preserving our communities. And so that's kind of, um, what my life was like. So I I realized that, um, just this role of being a mother carries so much weight and it's so important. Um, and I was really just thinking about my presence in, um, our family and the interactions that I have with my two sons, as you, as you mentioned, um, I homeschool them. So I represent, you can kind of hear them outside in the background, (laughs) but um, I represent so many firsts for them. Their first educator, you know, the first person to give them care, their first, you know, example of like how to interact um, with a woman. So, you know, I just kind of had a moment just thinking about that role, um, how important it is. Um, And it's kind of also balancing all the other roles that I play, you know, mom and artist and wife and educator trying to keep, you know, all these things together and the, the beauty of that, but also on the flip side, the exhaustion of that. And that's kind of where the second part of the scripture comes out. It's like, um, what if the salt loses its savor, you know, it's therefore good for nothing, but to be cast out. And I feel like so many women, um, you know, and this kind of goes across races. We are expected to to just kind of give and give and give and give and pour out, especially if you're a mother, you're expected to like sacrifice everything for the sake, you know, of your family and of your children to kind of just, you know, forget about yourself and forget about your needs. But I think that's a very dangerous um, thing to uphold. And so you end up so many women just kind of 
you know, we fall into this like superwoman syndrome and we just are cast out, right? We get are stressed or exhausted. Um, and that is kind of brought on this idea of like really focusing on self-care, um, which is the flip side of it. Like as I am, you know, um, preserving my family, taking care of people, pouring out, you know, to everybody in my home and also pouring out to students in the classroom and pouring out to my sons who are also my students too. Um, just on the flip side, making sure that I am preserving myself in the process of preserving everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I have to make sure that I'm pouring into me so that I can continue to pour out to everybody else. Well, that's absolutely right. And and you use portraiture very effectively to highlight Black women in a very authentic way. Your modern matriarchs are very dynamic. They're very strong. Can you comment on the importance of accurate representation in the images that we see? Well, I mean, we hear this phrase so often, but it's so true that representation matters. Um, and I can think about, you know, just my ex- experience um, as like an artist in... Um, And even in college, like thinking about my art history classes where there was no representation of black artists at all, maybe like one or two. And so just thinking about how much more my development as an artist could be could have been enriched by seeing works that reflected me. Um, Not only, you know, you know, I think it's good to know about all types of artists and. um, And, you know, with my experience, everything was kind of from the Eurocentric lens, like there was. I don't know how many like art history classes that I had on Renaissance, this Northern Renaissance, the Renaissance and, um, you know, all the focus on like the, what we term as like the, the old masters or the great masters, which is important. Like, you know, they created really amazing and really technically beautiful pieces that you can learn from. But on the flip side, like I really was never exposed to anything that represented me personally that I could kind of hold on to and take a grasp of. So I had to really do my own kind of research. Um, just because that need wasn't being fulfilled, a need that I really didn't know I needed <laughs> um, until, you know, I started talking to other artists and learning about other people. And I realized, you know, I was missing that. Um, so if we can think about even, you know, that in academia, but that kind of um, spills out into other areas of life as well, whether you're thinking about the representation of people in movies or um just, you know, seeing people that look like you that are portrayed in a positive light. And I think there's a history of that as it pertains to Black people, where there's very limited representations of of who we are expected to be. So it really stemmed out of trying to show different perspectives of beauty and um, that you don't have to be a certain way in order to be considered beautiful um, as a message of affirmation to other Black women who who may have had same experiences that I have had or felt the same way. So that's kind of where the it kind of starts from, because um, people really just need to see authentic representations of themselves and not um, the reflections of what other people assume about them, but just a really a- authentic um, representation. Like, this is who I am. Um, this is how <laughs> the people in my community look. And I, I mean, and they're beautiful and glorious and wonderful. And um, yeah, that's kind of where, where that comes from. Well, besides painting, printmaking is a substantial part of your art practice. And you are very well known for your woodcuts. And in those, you also, similar to your paintings, show and illuminate the interior aspects of our lives, what our lives are like at home. 
How did you develop this interest in in printmaking and in woodcuts in particular? Yeah, so um, when people kind of ask me, kind of, I guess my art pedigree, I always describe myself as a painter and printmaker. Um, and even though they kind of blend the two, I you know see myself as both of those things. Um, partly because my undergraduate degree started out in painting, and then toward the end, um, I really got interested in printmaking. Um, after being introduced to the work of Elizabeth Catlett. And so I was introduced to relief printmaking. And at first it was like, I didn't really think I needed printmaking to be a part of my practice because I was, you know, kind of um, just focused on learning how to paint. But I don't know, it's just something about the carving process that really um, enticed me. Um, And so I decided to kind of focus a little bit more, well, a lot more on printmaking toward the end of my undergraduate degree. And also I decided to get my MFA in printmaking. Um, And that's from Purdue University. So that's kind of where the love of um, printmaking itself started. And also um, just access, right? So as printmakers, we need access to certain materials to do our work. Um, And so I decided to study printmaking in graduate school just so I could have, you know, 24 hour access to the printmaking studio um, and have the press, you know, where I feel like I can paint anywhere. All I need is a canvas and a brush and a wall (laughs) to put um, to put the canvas on. Um, And so. Yeah, that's kind of where the focus on printmaking comes. And yeah, I I would say that you're correcting your assessment. I feel like that is one of the things that I am um, kind of known for a little bit more. And and part of that was just because, um, one, I really enjoy the carving process. I think it's something that I do well. And, you know, there's just there's a lot of really amazing painters (laughs) out in the world, particularly painters who focus on painting. portraiture. So I was like, okay, well, what can I do that, um, you know, is really specific and authentic to me. Now with my current work, I am drawing on both elements of those practices. So I do a lot of um, what I like to call hybrid works or mixed media works where, um, you know, purposely drawing on aspects of my work as a painter and aspects of my work as a printmaker and putting them together on the same surface. I'm also really interested in this idea of presenting the, um, matrix as the art object. And if you're not familiar with that term matrix in printmaking, um, you always have some type of surface that you're using to either carve onto or etch into um, to develop your image. And then you print a set of um, works from that matrix. And so in my case, since I do relief printmaking, my matrix is usually a wood block. Um, but I think there's just so much beauty in the woodblock and like the texture is amazing. So I started playing with the idea of presenting the woodblock as the art object and not just, you know, the production tool. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of brings me um, to uh, this large work that I just finished. You were talking about this idea of the interior space, which is another thing that I was trying to challenge myself with is thinking about, you know, more narrative portraiture. So not only just showing like the physicality of people, but extending that to thinking about the places that people occupy. Um, So this large work that I finished last year um, that has been uh, on display at the Baltimore Museum of Art at at the exhibit ended in April is called Carving Out Time. Um, So basically it's still a part of the Salt of the Earth series, but it takes you through a day in my life as a mother and practicing artist from the start of the day all the way until the end of the day. And so it's broken up into five phases of the day. I like to call it like one work, but in five parts. So it starts in the morning and then we go into like homeschool and, you know, cleaning up the house and dinner time and then putting the boys to bed. And then finally I um, end in my studio. But for each of those things, there's a designated space that I am portraying. 
us in. Um, so it starts in the bedroom and then we move into the office space and then the dining room and then, you know, the boys bedroom and then um, our studio space. So I really wanted to think about each of the spaces that I was portraying in this work as its own kind of character in and of itself, aside from the figures. And so um, a lot of the things that were incorporated into the room were decided on based on the people who were going to be in the room, what normally happens there, um, and kind of also the time of day, what makes the most sense um, for each of those spaces. Uh, So, you know, that work is really... um, a labor of love, I guess, is the best way, <laughs> one of the best ways that I can describe it. Yes, it must have been an incredible labor of love because these f- five scenes that you're talking about that compose your work, Carving Out Time, each one is 15 feet long. So they're massive and they would take up an entire room. Yeah. So, so the work, like if, so the work is intended to be displayed all in one line. Um, this first installment, we had to accommodate the particular uh, space that I was given in the gallery. So it's like um, parts of it are on separate walls. But if you if the work is displayed the way it's intended to, um, it's 60 feet long and eight feet tall. And in each of the individual scenes uh, that make up the entirety of the work, um, they're eight by 12 feet um, tall. Excuse me, eight feet tall, twelve feet wide. Oh, um, but yeah, so it's like yeah, like yeah. the largest, quite literally the largest thing I've ever um, done <laughs> in scale, but also in, in concept. Yeah. Right, and I love the idea of you carving out and creating these grooves and these spaces within the wood matrix. And I read a quote of yours where you drew this this really beautiful analogy between the physical act of performing a woodcut, you wrote in this same sense, black women have had to cut away the negative stereotypes imposed on them by external forces to express their true identity. So you're equating really the experience of, of being a black woman with, with the physical act of creating a woodcut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of what I was uh, alluding to earlier when I was talking about this idea of, of beauty and kind of, um, you know, this automatic Eurocentric lens that, you know, we kind of prescribe beauty, beauty through, which, you know, a lot of times if you think about certain aspects like fair skin or like long straight hair or, um, you know, a thin slim nose, which, you know, the things that people, you know, describe as beautiful. um, A lot of women are the opposite. (laughs) Black women are the opposite of that, um, which, you know, we kind of are expected to live up to these standards that we can't quite frankly um but you know just showing a different side of beauty but then again carving away all the negative talk or, or all the stereotypes that are you know placed on us whether that be that we're loud or boisterous or um it, things that are really actually i think positive attributes about us but then they're kind of spend um as something like that could be perceived as negative but you know we're constantly in this process of kind of carving that away. So taking that away, like I'm peeling away all the things that are trying to be placed on me to show you myself in this authentic uh-huh. um, and amazing and and beautiful way. Well, since your painting arrived at the Figgy, people have 
witnessed other visitors standing in front of it and just staring and an everyday moment that's quite powerful. And I personally caught someone in an everyday moment uh, about a month ago. And that is one of the unique strengths of art. It can be a catalyst for new conversations. And that seems particularly important right now. Yeah. And and part of, I guess, is letting you inside um, my everyday life to show that, you know, we value the same things. We want um, a wonderful place for our families to live. We want to be safe. We want our children to be educated. And, um, you know, and the, the values are the same, even though they may have like different aesthetics. Right. And it's also this idea of um, presenting the everyday as triumphant. Yes. Um, and I, I like the idea of that and kind of highlighting I guess the everyday things that need to happen in order to kind of build a successful life and to build successful relationships. Um, so I've, I've gotten a lot of emails from um, from the director and a couple other people just kind of informing me, you know, either there was like a uh, some type of group there and everybody kind of crowded around the work or, you know, a, a group of um, children were there and they all the children were asking questions about the work. So it just really... Um, yeah, it kind of goes to this idea, again, of representation, right? And so people appreciate, like, representation of themselves that they feel that they can relate to. Or, um, and, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter that, it's, again, it's presented through my life as a Black woman. Um, I often describe my work as being um, specific and universal. So specific that I'm showing you elements of my life and people in my community. Um, but universal in the fact that all of these themes are things that we can relate to, right? Um, so any mother who looks at that painting can relate to it, whether you're an Indian mother, whether you're a, a, a black mother, whether you're a white mother, if you're a child, you can look at these images and relate to them. If you're a husband, you can look at the images and relate to them. So it just shows that like everybody, there's something that everybody can kind of pull from and, and benefit from through taking observation of the work. Latoya Hobbs, it's been so great to talk with you. Thank you. Yes, thank you again for inviting me. Head to the Figgy Art Museum to see The Everyday, a large-scale painting by the artist Latoya Hobbs, which is on view now on the second floor. It is immediately visible once you exit the elevator or if you walk up the grand staircase. The Figgy is open Tuesday through Sundays each week and has evening hours on Thursdays until 8 p.m. And a big thank you to Quad City Bank and Trust for this major gift and for their support of our local community. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Calhoun.